We'd Like a Word. About <laughs> publishing, you're listening to part two of We'd Like a Word's episode on publishing with me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan. With Miranda Jewess from Viper Books and Karen Sullivan from Arenda. We were talking about risk a bit there. I want to bring in uh, a listener question. Uh, this is from Mark Vent. And he says, I'd like to ask your industry and insiders why publishing has become so risk averse. It's one of, if not the only sector to buck the trend during COVID. Uh, books are very much everyone's bag and we need more comedy, more fiction, more comedy again, <laughs> more first time writers, more comedy again. Uh, take a punt in something unconventional like Paul Kingsnorth, uh, The Wake, or Alice Jolly's Marianne Sate, Imbecile, or, or Stephen Colgan's Nasley series. And he says, check in the post, Stephen. And I look at the health of the publishing <laughs> industry and think, take a few risks, put something out there occasionally that's good for the heart and the soul and not just the limited financial risk. That's from Mark Vent. So I, I wonder, and there's another one actually that goes along with that. This is from uh, Janice Staines, another listener. She says, how has COVID-19 impacted on your business? Has it made publishers more risk averse and less likely to publish books from new or less well-known authors? Now, I, I know that's um, not necessarily fair because some of what you publish is very unusual indeed. Um, but do you think there has been a bit of a change at all or are things kind of the same as they've ever been? Well, in terms of COVID, I mean, because the way publishing works, the things that I published in 2020, I signed up at the beginning of 2019. You know, it, publishing is a long, is a long process. So, you know, it, it didn't have any effect on what, on what I, did, it, I did last year. Actually, as a company profile, we had a very good 2020. We just published our results in the bookseller. So we are certainly not becoming more risk averse because of COVID um, at all. Um, and also in terms of new authors, a significant proportion of my list uh, are debuts. Um, not intentionally, it just, it just ended up that way. But um, I have absolutely uh, no prejudice against debut authors at all. Um, I just base it on the books. I'm so good to hear. Like, Karen, I know you have some very odd books that you've published. Uh, I mean that in a good way. Like <laughs> Will Carver, uh, nothing, nothing Happened Here Today, his book, you know, that was very strange. Like, I was gripped by it. I didn't like it, but I was still gripped by it. And then... Um, <laughs> Everyone's a critic. It provoked, it provoked a, 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 an emotion and you read on, right? Oh, yeah, I read on and then I read his next one as well. So, you know, know. it's not complaining. And then uh, my favourite guy, Matt Veselovsky, also yeah. very strange. His six stories, he kind of writes books as if they are podcasts. So th those are all breaking new ground as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I, and, the, and I do set out to do that now. But there's a few things. First of all, um, I report to no one. Um, so I can make decisions that would never be passed through in a bigger publishing company. And I like to take risks. Now, it is a risk, as Miranda said, every every book is a risk. And sometimes it doesn't pay off. But I reckon that if you stick with an author, uh, you know, across a few books, no matter how weird or different they are, how much 
you know, new stuff they're bringing to the market, to the genre, to literature in general, then you can build them and find an audience. Um, I don't think we give readers enough credit. I think that too many big publishers, you know, assume what readers want to read. And I think in a lot of cases, like, I don't know if you've read, well, Will Carver's a very good one. I mean, he's a genius, but his books are a scathing indictment on society. And you come away sort of in a cold sweat after, you know, reanalyzing your entire life after reading those books. And they're not for the faint-hearted. They're, they're graphic, and but they're so smart and so different. And I love that. I, you know, I was telling you, Paul, um, about an, a, a series of letters I had from a book group who read one of Will's books. And they all said, we threw our book in the bin. It was just awful. How can you publish stuff like that? And I was elated because, you know, anyone to have such a strong reaction to one of my books, whether they love it or hate it, um, is, is exactly what I'm setting out to do. We, have, we had a writer on a while ago, Russell McLean, who's also an yeah. editor. And he was saying... Yeah. He heard that some woman hated his book so much that she burnt it. <laughs> exactly. And that's not, that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, I know, right. Yeah, I know. You'd rather that than, you know, a, a book that someone instantly forgets. And unfortunately, a lot of the samey stuff that's being published right now is pretty much forgettable. Not like, you know, it's it's too similar. And even, you know, even books that I've enjoyed, I think, oh, God, which one was that? And that's all wrong. You know, I want people to remember the books and remember, you know, just, oh, that crazy author or whatever. Um, so, so I can do that. I can. I mean, like Helen Fitzgerald or Doug Johnston, they write really original books that are funny and and interestingly structured and plotted and, you know, a real mix of genres, but with exceptionally, you know, classy writing. And, and, and that's the bottom line. But yes, I, I can do what bigger, bigger publishers don't do. And I like humor too. <laughs> I think I forgot the question. <laughs> no, I think you covered it. I think you covered it. Um, Paul mentioned about celebrity. I've got a question here from um, one of our listeners as well, whose name is just all vowels. I, I'm going to upset the whole Polish people if I try and pronounce it. But his first name is Peter. And he says... Why do so many publishers spend so much on advertising books by famous authors like J.K. Rowling, David Williams, that are going to sell by the truckload anyway? Surely it would make more sense for them to spend the money on promoting some of their other authors who are less well known. Uh, Dr. Helen Jones is asking similar stuff about, you know, so many celebrities writing novels with pre-prepared publicity. Um, even if we, we like Richard Osman, you know, come on, there are other people too. Well, well, often the marketing spend is part of the contract. Um, and that's part of the way you win that celebrity is by presenting your marketing plan. And there will be an auction and whoever has the most attractive marketing plan will get the book. So it's a, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. It's, it's part of the deal. So they, it's, not, it's, it's not something that's done on the hoof. Um, and it's a safe bet. Obviously, people, you know, publishers think it's a safe bet. Um, I agree that... It does crowd out people whose primary job is writing books, which is a great pity. And I think it also has the knock-on effect that they will get even more press coverage that the papers will give them even without being asked for, because it's a very easy story to write about a celebrity writing a children's book or a thriller. 
um, it's it's easy and they know that people will be interested. Whereas writing a piece on somebody who's written their third novel that's been incredibly well reviewed and has won lots of awards, but who doesn't prevent a, present a TV series may not be as interesting. So mm. they take a disproportionate slice of coverage, um, something which really uh, other authors can't fight against. It's, it's a frustrating, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I used to work on the TV show QI, so a lot of comedians I know very well. And, you know, someone like Richard Osman, as he's been mentioned, loveliest man in the world. He's great. And I wish him every success. But it is very frustrating to to know that, you know, he could basically just write anything and it would he'd be offered a book deal and a very good book deal at that with a big advance and et cetera, et cetera, and get all the publicity and advertising. You know, when when you sit and sweat on a, a, a similar book, you know, for, for three years and, and get nothing. It's very, very frustrating. And to but be fair, I actually did hear from the crime community, a lot of other authors, that the book, I haven't read it, um, is actually pretty good. And he wrote it, it himself, is. which is unusual um, because a lot of the celebrities who write books don't write books. Someone else writes the book and their name's on the front. Um, so that's so a, different, a different story altogether. But what's important to remember is that the books that we see on the bestseller list the books that we see reviewed everywhere are and and see the ads. These are the books that publishers have decided sometimes years in advance are going to be their lead titles. And the vast majority of their marketing budget goes to this very small percentage of the list. And that, you know, you know as a smaller publisher, it's even harder to get um, column space to get review coverage because Everything that's being reviewed are the hyped titles, the big titles. And this is what, first of all, reviewers do this because they think this is what people are going to be reading and they want to be on trend with what with what's being read and what everyone else is reviewing. You know, if you look in some of the, you know, women's magazines, for instance, you, you know, their picks of the month are often exactly the same across six six different magazines and this is the work of a well a hard-working publicist really has made it clear that this is the book where that everyone's going to be talking about and that's that's the just the way it works um we do do things differently here so everyone at Aranda Books gets the same advance everybody gets exactly the same marketing spend and we I really actively want to support authors because I am so aware that it can take you know nine books for an author to actually hit the map and and you know be up and running and and too many publishers give an author one or two books to to make their name two books is Miranda is is signaling <laughs> and then I know of people who've been dropped from a two book contract after one book though that did not live up to expectations mm. which is that's unkind brutal it's it's a tough marketplace and somebody's getting all these amazing proofs sent out to nine million people and how come their books on NetGalley and how come there's ads everywhere for her book and there's nothing for mine it's a tiny proportion of authors really who get that and and it's important to remember this is smoke and mirrors you know the average authors in big companies are getting nothing um I wanted I wanted to um sort of respond to what Karen was that her really good point about big publishers sort of only picking certain authors and I think that's something that I've kind of looked at for Viper and, and essentially the list is quite kind of intentionally boutique um, you know we we limit how many authors we have 
we never have more than two books a month, usually a hardback first edition and then a at the same time, specifically because I didn't want to have a hierarchy of authors. I didn't want a, a top list and a mid list and a, you know, a scuttering along the bottom list as a lot of the big publishers had. I want, you know, everyone gets proofs, everyone gets advertising, everyone gets me editing their book and I'm not, I'm not passing them on to a, to a junior editor. Um, because I, I like the fact that they're all equal in that sense, much like Karen's authors all getting, all getting that same kind of coverage because it also means the authors support each other. They don't feel like they're in competition. And then when one of them gets a really good review, they're all excited. There's never that bitterness because they're all getting their big boxes of proofs and they're all getting their, all, all getting their, their jazzy bits, which I think helps to make it more. This is kind of why we wanted to talk to you guys because, because you're presenting a different view. I mean, there's a lot of very jaded authors out there. I mean, I said, I was watching the, um, I was watching the culture show last night and they had Douglas Stewart on, who of course won the Booker prize with Shuggy Bain. And, and, uh, the host Mary Beard asked him, he said, how can it take you 10 years to write a novel? And he said, because I've got a day job. Authors don't get paid anything. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and there is this, there is this impression amongst authors that, you know, no one sort of cares about us if we're not famous and we just have to struggle along and we just see all the good stuff going to the, to the people who have become famous for other things other than writing. And uh, it's so refreshing. As I said, this is why we wanted to get you guys on to show that the publishing world isn't all like that. You know, there are a lot of smaller press and smaller publishers and not necessarily small publishers, but, but braver publishers who are willing to give things a go. It's great. Well, yeah. Because, yeah. Because and that is, that's one of the things, I mean, one of the things I wanted to do at the outset was establish a brand so that people would trust Arenda Books and read the next thing that we published, regardless of its provenance, regardless of its genre, um, because then you can bring readers on board. Um, and you can, you know, so many of the big blog tours, for example, we do, we get them saying, I never would have picked up this book, but oh my God, it's so good. Um, and that's exactly what you need to do, really. You've got to tr get readers to trust you um, because there's a lot of good, interesting, unique, original fresh stuff out there and it, it deserves to be published. You know, I, I, I am also, I, I get sent proofs from a lot of the big publishers because we have quite a, an engaged social media following. And I guess they want um, people to shout about their books from within the industry as well. And some of it, I'm just like, oh, this is the same as the one I just read before and the same as the one before. And then you get these really amazing sparkly ones and you think, yeah, be bold, do something bold. I wanna be a bold publisher. Yeah, you, you want, I, I want everything. I think my aim was that within a year of publishing, every book would be distinct enough that when I went to someone in publicity and said, oh, this book, and there'll be a go, oh, that's that one set there. That's that one. That I would never have to say, ex remind them which one was which. They would all be distinct. I would never have five psychological thrillers about the same type of person having the same kind of thing. I'll have one really good one that will clearly stand out from everything mm -hmm. else I'm publishing within six months. Because if your, own, if your own team can't do that, how can anybody else? <laughs> I know. Distinguish between them. We've actually turned down some fantastic books because they were too similar um, in, in to what one of my authors was doing. I, I also, like you, want everything to stand on its own feet and stand out for what it does. Um, that's that's so important. Um, and I also, like you, like Miranda, 
I, I edit every book. Well, I do all the structural editing. So I make sure a book is absolutely watertight and as perfect as it can be, whether that takes two months or in one case, 24 months. Um, and then, it, you know, it goes to our copy editor, but that, you know, that work with the author is such a good exercise. You know, we become, you know, we learn to trust each other completely and we bring out the best in each other. And, you know, it sparks off all sorts of brilliant marketing ideas. And, you know, it, in a big company, you, you, you know, people read the final version, but they've never gone through that process. And, and there's so much um, great stuff that comes out of that. Right, Miranda? I think so. And I think there's something to be said for putting in that effort because then I've, I've had authors who came to us because they knew that was what was going to happen. Yeah. Because they knew that I would work with them to make it better. And it would be me, the person who bought the book, who, when I offered the money said, this is very clearly what I think I'd like to do to make this book better. And I want to work with you on it. And that, that is attractive. I mean, for good authors, that is something they want. A good author wants to be edited because they know that they need that other head. And it's yeah. not, because there's any, not because they're bad or not because their book's bad. It's just because everybody needs to do it. I couldn't write a book, but I can help you make it better. I've just exactly. been through this process, just been through this process. And I had a great editor who made a couple of suggestions here and there. And I thought, God, why didn't I see that? That's brilliant. And and when you've got that kind of relationship and, and you sort of trust each other, I know that it's almost like the book's got two writers in some ways because he wants it to be the best book it can be. And I want it to be the best book it can be. And as long as you trust each other and, you you know, you not exactly kill your babies, but you trust them enough to think, you know what, they, they are right. And I mustn't be precious about this. They are right. You end up with a better yeah. product. I've, ju I've just sent the final proof off to the publishers and I'm delighted with it. And, and as you say, that relationship is so, so valuable. Can really we say who, who this this structural editor is? Seeing as you're saying nice things about him. By oh, sheer coincidence, Paul and I both had him as editor. It was for our last so book. This is Russell <laughs> McLean, who's a very good editor. Yeah. I, I read him as well, yeah. He reviews a lot of our books. He used to review them for the Herald in Scotland. Um, their all of their columns um he definitely knows his stuff he's he's interviewed a lot of my authors at um the edinburgh international book festival too so i know russell well yeah he's a good lad he's a good lad okay <laughs> on that positive note uh that's the end of part two of we'd like a word talking about publishing with karen sullivan and miranda jewess so in part three we'll be talking about awkward authors what do you do Horror stories. And maybe if there's any trickle down from these celebrity writers who we all love so much. So see you in part three.